A November earthquake in West Texas was felt hours away from its epicenter. Turns out it was the third largest quake in Texas history. Why did it happen? And should we expect more? This is Listen in Lubbock. For Texas Tech Public Media, I'm Sarah Self-Walbrick, and this is Listen in Lubbock. Earthquakes are not something we've dealt with much in Texas, but that's changing. A quake that happened in November is an example. It was the largest we've experienced in the state in nearly three decades. Erin Douglas is a reporter at the Texas Tribune who's been looking into seismic activity. She joins us today to share her findings. Thanks for coming on the show, Erin. Thanks for having me. So tell us what happened near Pecos on November 16th. Yeah, so there was a 5.4 magnitude earthquake that was recorded near uh, west of Pecos near the border of Reeves and Culberson counties on Wednesday, November 16th. And how did this quake compare to others that we've had in the state? So this earthquake was the largest recorded in the state since 1995, uh, according to USGS uh, National Earthquake Experts. And they told me that this was the third largest in Texas history. The largest quake in Texas history that we've had was a 5.8 magnitude that was recorded in 1931 southwest of Valentine. So we're a little over three hours away from where this happened. Still, I'm pretty sure that I felt this. I was sitting at my desk when I suddenly felt like I was experiencing vertigo or motion sickness, something like that. It passed quickly. I didn't think much of it, honestly. But then I saw the news about the earthquake. And then my coworker came over and said, hey, I think I felt it. Did you too? And I thought, wow, okay, that's definitely what that was then. So, Erin, how far away from the epicenter was this felt based on what we know at this point? Yeah, so 5.4 is pretty big. And from what we know, the quake could be felt as far away as Carlsbad, New Mexico. Um, It was felt in El Paso. It was felt in San Antonio. I am not surprised that you felt it in Lubbock. And it actually forced a historic downtown San Antonio hospital building to be permanently vacated after structural engineers declared it unsafe. So yeah, it was felt uh, across the state, especially in the western half of the state. That's really interesting that, you know, the impact was felt that seriously, that far away. What about people who were closer to the earthquake? What was their experience like? Yeah, so my colleague Dylan Bedore, who worked with me on this story, he writes for Inside Climate News. He spoke with some folks in Reeves County who were very close to the epicenter, and they said it felt like a truck hit their house. Uh, Some of them uh, likely experienced some structural damage. Um, We're not sure at this point, but, you know, this this idea that they felt like it was that something hit their home or that a car ran into their house. That's pretty similar to what people in and around Midland told me earlier this year about how earthquakes have been feeling in their area. So do we know what caused this most recent quake? Yeah, so inspectors for the Texas Railroad Commission, which regulate oil and gas, they are investigating the practice of saltwater injection near the epicenter of the quake. And that practice, which is a result of having to dispose water that comes up from the ground during fracking, has been shown by scientists to cause seismic activity. So it's very likely that this quake was correlated with that activity. Although, you know, I don't know that I could say 100% of this particular quake, I think there has to be an investigation, but we do know 
know that this is the trend that's been happening across the state. On that note, we have to take a short break. We'll continue our conversation with Aaron Douglas from the Texas Tribune shortly. Stick with us. You're tuned in to Listen in Lubbock. I'm your host, Sarah Self-Walbrick. Did you feel the earthquake a few weeks back? It happened hundreds of miles away from Lubbock, but a lot of local folks say they felt it. And that makes sense. It was a big one. Before the break, Texas Tribune reporter Aaron Douglas told us about that specific quake. But before that, earlier this year, Aaron reported on the increasing frequency of earthquakes in Texas. Earthquakes are happening more often. And what's causing this at this point? What do we know? Yeah, so our analysis of state and federal data found that the number of earthquakes that are 3.0 magnitude or greater have actually doubled in 2021 from the previous year, and that trend is increasing over time. So not only are earthquakes becoming more frequent in Texas, but they are also getting stronger. We also found that the the size of the earthquakes were getting bigger over time, and the areas where seismic activity are spiking the most are in oil fields in West Texas, particularly in the Permian Basin, which is the most productive oil and gas area in the state. And so what's causing this? Yeah, so scientific studies have shown that a jump in seismic activity in Texas is almost certainly the consequence of the disposal of this contaminated salty water that is trapped deep underground but comes up during the fracking process. It's called produced water. And it's a it's a common practice by oil companies at the end of the hydraulic fracturing process uh, to dispose of this underground, like basically pump it back into the ground. And that can essentially awaken dormant fault lines. And so during fracking, you know, if you know a little bit about that, it's basically oil companies shoot this mixture of fluids and sand through all these ancient rock formations deep underground that fractures the rock and frees the flow of oil. But oil isn't the only thing that comes up. You also get, you know, methane gas and you also get a lot of water. So you actually get between three and six barrels of this produced water comes up with every barrel of oil during the fracking process in Texas. And so that is water that was essentially trapped underground by rock formations. It's really old water and it's not it's not quality water. You don't want to drink it or anything. It's contaminated. It's extremely salty. And so the cheapest and most commonly used way to get rid of all of this water is to pump it back underground into porous rock formations. But essentially many years of doing this over and over and over, you know, hundreds of millions of gallons pumped underground per day in Texas, that has coincided with more frequent and more powerful earthquakes. Because essentially what happens is you increase the pressure underground and that's the force that kind of causes these ancient fault lines to slip. And it sort of has a domino effect along the fault lines in those areas, because in some areas of the state now, we have new areas of seismicity where there wasn't seismic activity before. We talk a lot about water security in our part of the state. I get that this is not drinkable water, but does that come into play in these conversations at all when we're talking about fracking? Yeah, it definitely does because, you know, we actually had the legislature, I believe during the last session in 2021, launch a 
group of industry folks and others to study whether or not we could use produced water as a new water source. The problem is that it's extremely expensive to fix this water <laughs> or to make it even close to usable, even in an agricultural sense, not even for, uh, for drinking. So it's just, it's very, very salty. It's saltier than seawater. It would literally be cheaper for us to build a seawater desalination plant to my understanding of what folks in the industry have told me um, than to use this water. But it is it is a source of water in a sense. And so there are some folks that are trying to figure out what to do with all of this and if there's a way that we can use it economically. That's really interesting. Okay, so because this is tied to the oil and gas industry, that's why we are seeing so many of these happen in the Permian Basin region, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, most of the activity, most of the seismic activity in Texas is in the Permian. And we actually have a 2021 study from the USGS and some UT scientists that found that the vast majority of seismicity in the last two decades that's occurred near Pecos, which is, you know, where the epicenter of this most recent one was, um, was likely triggered by increased um, disposal of produced water. And so how is this affecting local residents? I can't imagine that things like infrastructure and housing in these areas were built to deal with this kind of issue. Yeah, so when I was reporting on this earlier this year out in the Permian near Midland and around there, folks told me that they've experienced some structural damage to their homes and it has caused them to question whether or not they want to stay in the area. I spoke to one woman earlier this year in Gardendale and she said that the damage to her home's foundation uh, would cost $8,000 to repair. And that was due to the earthquakes that are happening there. And they're mostly getting like, you know, around 3.0 magnitude earthquakes. Um, and she's actually considering relocating because of it. You know, when we think of earthquakes, I think we think of California more often than any other region uh, that could be experiencing this. So how do the earthquakes that we are seeing here in Texas compare to those where this happens more frequently? Yeah, so ours are smaller than what you would get in California, usually. The problem, I, I guess there's two, there's two major differences, right? One is that they're smaller, they're probably less frequent than what you would have in California. But the reason is that the other difference is that California earthquakes are along an active fault line. Like they're being caused by a very, you know, natural process. And the earthquakes that are happening in Texas right now are not occurring because we have an active fault line that's moving all the time. They're occurring because we're increasing the pressure so much underground that we're forcing earthquakes to happen. So I would say those are the major differences. It's time for another break. When we come back, Texas Tribune reporter Aaron Douglas will tell us more about the fracking that's causing earthquakes in Texas and what can be done about it. Stay tuned. This is Listen in Lubbock. I'm Sarah Self-Walbrick. An earthquake that happened in West Texas last month was the third largest in the state's history. But this kind of seismic activity is becoming more frequent in Texas. 
Aaron Douglas from the Texas Tribune has been following this trend. So far on the show, Aaron's told us more about the earthquake that happened on November 16th and explained why these are happening more often. And scientists say that's because of fracking in oil patches. So Aaron, tell us what is being done to mitigate this? Yeah, so in recent years, the Railroad Commission, which regulates oil and gas activity in Texas, and they also issue permits for the saltwater injection wells that we were talking about earlier, uh, that agency has created several seismic response areas in West Texas. And those seismic response areas are where the agency has essentially asked companies to limit their saltwater disposal activities and agree to what is an industry-led plan to reduce seismic activity. And so this month's quake occurred at a location that's already inside one of these response areas in Culberson and Reeves County, and that was created earlier this year. So the agency said that its inspectors are reviewing the industry group's plan to reduce seismic activity there and also inspecting saltwater disposal activity nearby to see if, you know, anyone was breaking the rules or anything like that. And then, you know, they told me that operators, depending on the results of this investigation, operators may be required to reduce wastewater injections nearby as as a result. So how's enforcement of these efforts going and what has the reaction been to these efforts? Yeah, I mean, I would say that some say that the Railroad Commission hasn't done enough to address the quakes. That's something that I heard in Midland from folks that you know, are feeling their home shaking fairly frequently and say it's affected their quality of life. I would also say that the response from the Railroad Commission is very new. I believe that they first started to address this in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, or 2021, around then. It's it's been in the last couple of years. About the point that we saw, that we've seen these happen at a more frequent rate, it sounds like, at least. Right, right. You know, I think that the agency is still trying to work out exactly how to address seismicity and also how to address specific areas of seismicity. And, you know, it's important to note that even if you stopped injecting produced water underground in some of these areas tomorrow, then you would continue to have earthquakes for quite a while because that pressure, again, has built up so much over time. Uh, So the pressure needs time to ease and it's going to be a long process for the Railroad Commission to figure out how to make everyone happy in this equation because, you know, companies at this point don't have a viable alternative as to where to put this water, at least not an economical one. So you mentioned that a lot of these efforts are industry led. So tell us a little bit more about how the oil and gas industry has addressed these concerns. Yeah, so two things. So one is the plan that I mentioned earlier. So when the Railroad Commission creates a seismic response area, they essentially ask the operators in the area um, and the industry groups to come up with a plan as to how they're going to stop that from happening. And then the Railroad Commission reviews that plan. And then secondly, like more broadly speaking on industry, a few companies in the Permian Basin have built recycling facilities for produced water, and that would be an alternative to pumping it underground. There's one facility outside of Big Spring uh, that's like northeast of Midland and they pipe in produced water from surrounding drill sites. And 
you know, take that water and treat it to a quality at which they can actually reuse it in the fracking process. So if you know a little bit about fracking, you know, we also need water <laughs> to shoot underground in order to start the fracking process to begin with. So they're doing that. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of only a partial solution right now over the long term, because the amount of water needed by oil companies for the fracking process is a lot less than the amount of produced water that's being, you know, dredged up from underground every day. And so you don't actually have the like fundamental economics there to make that work. So you need to do something else with the water. And it's also just super expensive. So until you have a market for the water and the infrastructure built, then the recycling thing is, you know, maybe a, maybe a long term solution far in the future, but it's not a solution in the next couple of years. These earthquakes are obviously affecting the work sites of these oil and gas companies as well. What does that look like for them? How do the actual earthquakes affect their operations? Yeah, so I mean, for sure, it's a it's a business risk in terms of image and reputation is likely also an infrastructure risk, as you can imagine. I was at a oil and gas industry luncheon hosted by the Midland Chamber of Commerce earlier this year. And I remember a executive from Chevron talking about how the increase in seismic activity is one of the industry's biggest challenges in operating in the Permian Basin. So it's definitely on their minds. Despite what research has shown us, there are some people who don't believe that the oil and gas industry is contributing to this. They say that this is just a natural occurrence. Based on your reporting, what do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the oil and gas industry spent a lot of time, money, and resources for many years trying to convince the public that there was no connection between fracking and earthquakes, and they sought to introduce doubt into the science, and frankly, their campaign was extremely effective, and that narrative is latched on and it's lasted. But the fact is that the Railroad Commission and the industry itself are saying that these are being caused by saltwater injections, and maybe you could argue that, you know, produced water injections are not the same as fracturing the rock, but <laughs> the produced water injections are a necessary result of the fracking process. And the fact is that the industry doesn't have a good alternative right now to stop saltwater injections tomorrow. So, you know, you have oil industry folks saying that this is a problem and trying to fix it. I do think that the denial that this is linked to the oil industry at all is just an example of you know, where a narrative is really latched on and took hold, even when the science and the industry and the regulators have moved on. Erin, tell us what you've learned while you've been reporting on this issue. Well, I just think it is pretty stunning the amount of water that's coming up in West Texas and the amount of water that we're injecting underground. I mean, it's literally like hundreds of millions of gallons of water per day is what we're talking about. And I think once I understood the scale of the problem, I was really blown away by it. So that's always what I try to emphasize is if you just imagine how much oil we're producing, you know, multiply that by like three or four times and that's how much water we're dealing with. And so it is a major problem you know, for the industry, it's a major environmental problem and it's having, you know, real consequences right now as folks are feeling it, literally. What's predicted for the future? Are these just a part of West Texans lives now or is there any reversing this? Yeah, I would say, like I said earlier, it can take many months or even years to stop these earthquakes from occurring even after you stop produced water injections underground. 
That being said, scientists told me that the only way to stop these from occurring is to cease the injections. And so that's the way to reverse it. So that's why the Railroad Commission right now is trying to figure out where do we tell companies to stop injecting? Where do we tell them that they can inject? And it's very, very tricky. I mean, it's not it's not an easy problem for the Railroad Commission to solve. It's very complex. They're dealing with underground geology. They're dealing with permitting, you know, trying to figure out where to do what. It's complicated. So I think in the future, what we'll likely see is the Railroad Commission trying to reckon with this and decide what's good, what's not, what works, what doesn't. And, you know, hopefully see a reduction in seismic activity, assuming that the industry reduces the amount of injections that they're doing. That's all the time we have today. I want to thank my guest, Erin Douglas, who's a climate and environment reporter at the Texas Tribune. I'll link to her work on earthquakes in the web version of today's show. You can find that, past episodes of Listen in Lubbock, and other local programming at ttupublicmedia.org. Thanks for listening in today.